You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week number six of None Like Him. Today's teaching focuses on the truth that God is immutable. I hope you had some good discussion around your table. We had some great discussion and basically got through question one. So um, we came up with a lot of good questions that none of us were able to completely answer, but we have to just trust the Lord on that one. So um, before we dive into God's attribute of immutable, I want to share a quote from, um, his name was St. Anselm, I think that's how you pronounce it, a Benedictine monk, philosopher, and theologian who lived more than a thousand years ago. And he said, I do not seek to understand that I may believe, but I believe in order to understand. And I hope that that is our approach as we study these attributes. We try to understand the character of God, but we are coming from a posture of already believing that attribute to be true about God. I am not in any way trying to explain this attribute in order to convince you that that's who God is. I'm trusting that we all believe the validity of God's word, and that is what enables us to further comprehend the deeper meanings of his attributes. So please pray with me. Lord God, we do acknowledge that you are all of these attributes that we are studying this semester, and we are not studying them in order that we believe it to be true about you, because we already believe it to be true about you. We just want to understand you more, that we may love you more deeply and reflect you to those around us more clearly. So, Lord God, just speak to us now through your spirit. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our minds. And help us to remember the truths that you reveal to us, Lord God, that we truly would be conformed to your image more and more every day. Thank you, God, that you are the solid rock that never, never changes. We praise you, and we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this week we looked at God as immutable. Some definitions I found are unchanging over time, unable to be changed, not subject or susceptible to change or variation in form or quality or nature. God is unchanging in his character, his will, and his covenant promises. 
I love the subheading that Jen used, that he is the God of infinite sameness. There's something so comfort and assuring about sameness, especially when that's what we're counting on. Have you ever gone to your favorite restaurant, ordered your favorite item from the menu that you've had several times before, and it's always been just perfect, and all of a sudden it comes that day, and it doesn't taste as good? The sauce is a little bit different. It was cooked a little bit differently. And is that not incredibly disappointing? Like we feel betrayed by the chef. Um, Like he did a disservice to us. We want to be able to count on something that we perceive to be perfect. We want to count on it being perfect every time. How dare the chef deviate in any slight way. But as with all of these attributes that we're studying about God, they are incommunicable which means they are true only of God. Only God is unchanging. The Westminster Shorter Catechism states, God is a spirit whose being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth are infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. We can absolutely count on that. He will never betray or disappoint. A.W. Tozer said, the perfect and the absolute and the infinite God cannot become anything else but what he is. Consider who God is. He is the sovereign, almighty creator and sustainer. And consider what God is. Always good, always loving, always merciful, always just. I want to read through, I know you know these attributes, But I just want to read through the list of the attributes that Jen put in her book on page 24. And just think with each one that I say, never changing. God is infinite, incomprehensible, self-existent, self-sufficient, eternal, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, sovereign. And God is holy, loving, just, good, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, wise, jealous for his glory, faithful, righteous, truthful. That's why his immutability, his inability to change is such a comfort and incredible blessing. We do not ever have to hope that God is going to be any of those attributes to us. We can know that he is all of those, always has been, always will be to each of us. All humans, on the other hand, are completely mutable. I'm not even sure that's a word, but um, subject to change, can be modified. We don't have that same comfort of knowing that we can completely depend on a human to always be the way they once were or the way we want them to be. No matter how kind or caring or loving a person may be, there's always room for the possibility that they won't be quite so much that way. Even if only in slight ways, every one of us can be selfish, harsh, inconsiderate. But on the flip side, there's also hope for improvement. We do not want to think that we or anyone else is absolutely set in cement and can never change. That's actually a very good thing that that is not the case. And we're going to kind of keep circling back to this comparison with God who doesn't change and different points about we as humans that do change. But the perfect one, there's no arguing with the clear statement that God makes in Malachi 3.6. For I, the Lord, do not change. 
Tozer highlights that God is the only one in the universe can, that can say that. In that Malachi verse, God himself simply says that there is no change possible with him. God never differs from himself. Tozer believes that if you get a hold of this, it can be to you an anchor in the storm, a hiding place in danger. God never differs from himself. So an anchor in the storm, what is the purpose of an anchor? It keeps a boat steady, even if waves are crashing in. The boat may rock some, it may even be tossed about, but it will not be completely upended. The anchor also prevents the boat from drifting away. The anchor provides safekeeping, ensures that the boat will not be lost. Are we not so grateful, ladies, that when life gets a little stormy and the waves of current culture, of financial pressure, of sickness, of broken relationships seem to be tossing us to and fro, we have an anchor for our souls to keep us steady, to keep us safe. And that anchor is 100% reliable 100% of the time because of his character, because of who he is. His power, his wisdom, his love is not dependent on our feelings or the difficulty of the situation. One of the definitions I read earlier said that not only subject to change, but not even subject to variation. That is critical to grasp. We may easily agree that God doesn't completely change. He'll never go from loving to hateful, from powerful to weak, from wise to completely foolish, from kind to cruel. But do we wonder sometimes if maybe his love or his mercy or his grace or his power can vary just slightly? Like maybe it's not as great in our life as we're observing it is in someone else's? Or maybe it's not as much in our life as it seems like he cared for us a few years ago. At, that mom at those moments when we are tempted to think that, we need to remind ourselves of James 1.17, a verse you looked at in your homework. The Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There are no degrees to God and any of his attributes. There are three ways to change. We can go from better to worse. Well, God is perfectly holy. He can't become worse. We can go from worse to better, but God is already perfect. There's no better to attain. And we can change from one kind of creature to another. But his word tells us that he is the I am, always was, always will be. We humans, on the other hand, can change in all three ways. We've unfortunately witnessed people changing for the worse. We thankfully have seen people change for the better. And all of us, so to speak, have changed from one kind to another. Yes, we're still humans, but we've gone from baby to adult. We may one day go from healthy to terminally ill or crippled, hearing to deaf, seeing to blind. We can clearly change in a lot of ways. Jen pointed out that none of God's attributes can increase or decrease, and our actions cannot add to or diminish his glory. Even if not a single human praised him, it would not lessen his glory. Scripture tells us that even the rocks would cry out 
All that God ever was, God still is. All that God was and is, God will ever be. We do not ever have to say, I wish God was still like that. I wish God felt that way about me. I wish God treated me that way. The mighty, powerful God who parted the Red Sea for his people to safely cross? Yep, exact same God today. The compassionate, loving God who healed the lame and blind? Yep, exact same God today. The merciful, gracious God who ate with tax collectors and forgave an adulterous woman? Yep, exact same God today who will forgive me. To combine last week's attribute with this week's, God is eternally unchanging in his very nature and therefore in all of his attributes. So everything we're studying about God, the list I read earlier, he cannot not be at all times to the fullest extent, to infinity. No change, not even a slight variation. I encourage you to develop the habit that as you read through stories in the Bible or hear testimonies of really cool things that God's done in someone else's life that reveal the power, the mercy, the love of God, of Jesus, that you say to yourself, yep, exact same God today exact same God to me. Not only is God immutable in his attributes, but Tozer stated, whatever God felt, he still feels. Whatever God thought, he still thinks. Whatever God approved, he still approves. And whatever God condemned, he still condemns. That should also give us much comfort. Be an anchor to keep us steady in the current culture, trying desperately to toss us about on the waves of tolerance and comprised values. We discussed this a little bit at our table. Even within many churches, Scripture is now being taught in a way that we should just accept and even condone that which God clearly condemned that we should realize, well, perhaps some are just not created the way Genesis tells us. Over the past several years, at different times, my husband has been so disappointed when a Christian author that he once really respected will come out with some new belief. Like I remember a couple years ago, there was someone that came out and said they no longer believe in hell. They don't believe that a loving God has, that there would be hell. Or they no longer believe in the sinfulness of certain chosen lifestyles. We will never have to worry about that with God. He will never change his view on sin or holiness or truth. Nor do we have to worry or just wishfully hope that God will keep his promises. Again, as Jen pointed out, all that God has promised must happen. He must, he will do exactly as he said. Another anchor for our soul. Let me read some thoughts from Tozer about Jesus. For as we know, as every attribute is true of Father, God the Father, it's also true of Jesus the Son. And you'll find him yesterday and today and forever the same. He has not receded into history past. He is the same today as before he went away. He's the same Jesus Christ, the Lord. And if you turn to him now, as Mary turned to him, as the rich young ruler turned to him, as Jairus and many others turned to him, he will fill you. 
He's not visible to our sight, but lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. If you turn to him for clearer light, you'll find he is the same Jesus as when he gave the blind their sight. He'll feed you as he fed the multitude. He will calm you as he calmed the sea. He will bless you as he blessed the children. He will forgive you as he forgave the woman that fell at his feet. He will give you eternal life as he gave eternal life to his people. He will wash you as he washed their feet. He's the same. The God we preach is the same God, unchanging, unchangeable forever. Arthur Pink also discussed um, the three ways that God is immutable. In his essence, which we've already discussed a lot, his attributes, which we've talked about, and also his counsel. So I'm just going to quickly summarize what he said about his essence because it's a lot of what I've already pointed out. That he is subject to no mutations. God has neither evolved or grown or improved. He is completely unaffected by anything or anyone outside himself. Improvement or deterioration is impossible. His power can never diminish. His glory can never fade. And regarding his attributes, Pink says this. Whatever the attributes of God were before the universe was called into existence, they are precisely the same now and will remain so forever. And I know a lot of this is repetitive, but we need to just hammer it in our, home, in our minds so that when we reach those difficult days of being tossed about on the waves or feeling a little bit unloved, we go back to this. They are the very perfections, the essential qualities of his being. His power is unabated, his wisdom undiminished, his holiness unsullied. The attributes of God can no more change than deity can cease to be. Psalm 118.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. His word will not change. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Psalm 105, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And regarding God being unchanging in his counsel, this is what Pink says. Romans 11.29 says, The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. It must be so, for he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desires, even that he does. That's Job 23.13. God's purpose never alters. One of two things causes a man to change his mind and reverse his plans. Want of foresight to anticipate everything or lack of power to execute them. But since God is both omniscient and omnipotent, there is never any need for him to revise his decrees. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. That's Psalm 3311. I love how he points out that because he is omniscient and omnipotent, he never has to change. His counsel, his plans, unlike us. I may tell you I am going to definitely do this this afternoon. I am definitely going to come over to your house and help you work in your yard this afternoon. 
and I commit to that to you. Well, guess what? I'm not omniscient. So I don't realize that on my drive home, I'm going to get a call that, you know, my husband is sick and I need to go pick him up from work, or maybe I get sick or the car breaks down. I'm also not omnipotent. I can't control the weather. So I don't realize that thunderclouds are rolling in and I'm not coming over to help you in your yard. I would cancel what I had previously committed to with such confidence. I thought I would absolutely be able to pull that plan off. But I can't. I'm human. Not so with God. He knows all and he controls all. He has the wisdom. He has the power to be able to never change. Let me read Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 to the first part of 19. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Yes, God himself is immutable and so is his counsel and all of his plans. I think Jen's point is worth repeating that our assurance of salvation rests in the fact that God cannot change. And our hope of sanctification rests in the fact that we can. Which leads me to my next point, that another way the created is unlike the creator is we can, we must, and praise be to God, we do change. Through his spirit convicting and guiding and growing us, are we not thankful that we are not the same person we were years ago? Nor are we the same, Lord willing, that we will be tomorrow. Philippians 1.6 says, Paul encourages us, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is God who started the work in us when he drew us to himself and he redeemed us and he called us his own. And it is God who will continue that work throughout our sanctification process of being conformed more and more to his image. John Newton, the author of the hymn Amazing Grace, referred to himself as the vilest of men. He was a slave trader, a slave owner, but he went on to write one of the most well-known and beautiful songs with such profound truth. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Total change. We can also consider Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted Christians, but through Christ was changed to Paul, one of the most effective evangelists of all time and the author of much of the New Testament. Paul referred to himself as the chiefest of sinners. 
and yet look at his transformation. Thank God that in his merciful wisdom, he created us to be capable of changing, of being transformed, of growing in holiness. Unlike God, we are not the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that's what gives us hope. Not only do we as people change, but I want to share what Tozer points out about some other things have changed to our great blessing. God allows things to change in order that he might establish that which cannot change. The book of Hebrews has this for its thesis. The altar changed from the temporary altar to the eternal altar. The priesthood changed from the temporary priesthood of Aaron to the eternal priesthood of Christ. The tabernacle changed from the temporary tabernacle in Jerusalem to the eternal tabernacle in heaven. The blood sacrifice changed from the blood that was shed repeatedly to the blood that was shed once and for all and does not need to be repeated. Things changed until they perfected themselves and then they changed no more. And all things as they change proclaim the Lord eternally the same. So the knowledge that God never changes provides much comfort and hope for us. And the knowledge that humans can and do change may also provide us much comfort and hope for ourselves, for family and friends that we love. However, that knowledge about people can often, often be a source of frustration and impatience, maybe even anger and resentment, whether it be about ourselves and a sin we are struggling with or someone else and poor choices they're making in their life. Why aren't we, why aren't they changing? We need to realize that only God can be relied upon. Humans, including ourselves, cannot be. We need to look to God alone, trust him to do his work in us and in others. And as I pointed out last week, trust that his timing is perfect. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Psalm 146.3 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there's no salvation. And then verse 5 says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, the only unchanging one. Pink says this, Herein is solid comfort. Human nature cannot be relied upon, but God can. However unstable I may be, however fickle my friends may prove, God changes not. All praise to his glorious name. He is ever the same. His purpose is fixed. His will is stable. His word is sure. Here then is a rock on which we may fix our feet. While the mighty torrent is sweeping away everything around us, the permanence of God's character guarantees the fulfillment of his promises. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Isaiah 54.10 I have to share a story with you from a long time ago, about 30 years ago, where I completely forgot that truth, that God will not 
cannot change in his attributes. We were living in um, South Jersey at the time, and uh, my husband was a youth pastor at a church, but we were going to be moving to Syracuse, New York. He was going to be starting graduate school. And the housing market had kind of plummeted. We had a townhouse in New Jersey, and we were not able to sell it in the time that we needed to. And so we couldn't afford to rent an apartment in Syracuse while we still had this townhouse. So my husband was going to be moving to Syracuse in a station wagon <laughs> um, with a suitcase to start his graduate studies. And our little one-year-old son, Sam, and myself were going to be staying behind in New Jersey until the townhouse could sell. So it was already a pretty stressful time. I had just been called home to the hospital in Syracuse. My dad was in critical condition for his heart. That was going on. Um, and the last week that we were going to be together, my, my husband, in his wisdom, had scheduled a youth missions trip. So we were taking a group of teenagers to this camp in the middle of nowhere in central Pennsylvania to do work for the camp, fixing up buildings and whatever they needed done. So my husband left that Sunday with the van full of teens, and I was going to be leaving Monday because we were having an open house that Sunday, hoping to sell, but we didn't. But anyway, I had to stay behind. So that Monday morning, I, I am not in a good attitude. I am not <laughs> happy about all, all that life is dealing me right now. And I wake up kind of with a head cold, and the dog runs away, and I'm trying to pack up myself, pack up my one-year-old son, get the dog back, and I'm closing a, like a bifold closet door, and it falls off its track and off the hinges. And I'm like, oh, because you know when you're trying to sell a house, you just feel the pressure like it's got to be perfect. It's got to look immaculate when I go away for a week in case the realtor is showing it. So somehow I get the dog back. Somehow I manage to fix this closet door, and I get in the car, and I'm headed down the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And I am just sobbing. And they are just completely tears of self-pity. And woe is me. And life is so unfair. And I don't deserve any of this. Um, and so I'm crying out to God. And, and I'm very embarrassed to admit what I was crying out to him. I was saying, Lord, you need to show me some love. You need to care for me. You need to show me some kindness. Because right now, you are not being as kind to me as maybe in the past. You are not showering me with love as much as you've done for other people. You are not revealing your power in my life the way you did with all those Old Testament people. I was feeling so sorry for myself and so frustrated that God, in my mind, had changed in his attributes. And all of a sudden, a song came on the radio. And I've never heard it before, and I've never heard it since. And so I don't know. It might have been angels singing it through my radio. But it was a song by Michael W. Smith and Sandy Patty. Those of you who are my age or older know those names. Um, and the song was talking all about God's love being so great for us that he was preparing a place in heaven, paradise, that he sent his son to Calvary so that we could live in paradise in eternity with him forever. And he did that because of his great love for us. And immediately his spirit convicted my spirit. And I just said, oh God, I am so sorry. 
You have shown me, just at Calvary, you have shown me more love, more kindness, more grace, more mercy than I deserve or that I could ever expect. I am so sorry for all of a sudden now accusing you of being less loving, less kind, less merciful, less gracious. See, I had allowed my circumstances and my feelings to affect what I believed about God. I had allowed the kind of stinky things that were going on for me at that point to change what I knew. I knew what God, what his attributes were, but I allowed my circumstances to cloud that and to feel like God had changed, at least towards me, maybe not towards everyone, but he had changed towards me in that situation. Um, praise him that, that through his spirit, he convicted me. In closing, let me read a few lines from a very familiar hymn. Great is your faithfulness, O God our Father. There is no shifting or turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion. Thou fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. If your boat is being tossed about, dear friends, and you fear that you may be drifting, make sure your anchor is secure in the one, the only one solid rock that never changes. And if you are feeling, like I did 30 years ago, that God's character has varied even slightly in how he is caring for you, redirect your thinking as I had to do. Know that there is no variation in who he is. Read through that list of attributes on page 24. Memorize that list of attributes. Reflect on the many stories in the Bible and say to yourself, yup, that's exactly who God is to me. That's exactly who God is today. Let me pray. Oh God, again, we bow in awe and gratitude that you never change. The world around us changes, culture changes, people change, we change, but you are forever the same, the solid rock, the anchor that will always keep us steady, keep us safe. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me when I'm tempted to think that there's a slight variation in one of your attributes. Oh, Father God, may we cling to the truth, be comforted by the truth, that there is no variation or shifting in you, the Father of lights. We praise you, God. We love you. May we go out and share that love with the world around us that so desperately needs it. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.